Eagles Entertainment. Anything that moves, I don't care who it is. Let's go. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You're listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy. That's right, another day, and it was sweltering outside today as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 398. At the top of today's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with Chris McPherson and Ben Fennell about our big takeaways from practice on Tuesday morning at the NovaCare Complex and what was simply the grossest day weather-wise so far in training camp. Who stood out in the heat? We're going to pick some players of the day. We're going to chat about some general themes as the preseason gets closer and closer. We're going to hit on it all in this episode. But before we get there, just a couple of things I want to make sure we hit on. Number one, I want to make sure you head on over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. If you've got a question about this team, the preseason, almost here. We're right on the doorstep of some game action. Make sure you head on over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us that question in the comment box. We will answer it here in an upcoming episode. Really appreciate everybody that has thrown us your support since the podcast has made the return. That said, let's get into it. Excited to talk through some Eagles practice here with Ben and Chris. It's time for Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, as I welcome in Ben Fennell and Chris McPherson. Guys, we'll start uh, the way we've started all of these episodes, bouncing it over to C-Mac for uh, some roster notes. So we've got some news, some injury news, some stuff that came out after practice. So uh, give us the latest here, C-Mac. Yeah, this is the type of news I don't want to report, but at least it should be fine for down the road. So Jason Kelsey, after experiencing some discomfort in his elbow, trying to play through it, he met with the team doctors and went through some tests, and it was agreed that the best – it was in the best interest in allowing for a speedy recovery that he have a clean-out procedure. So not expected to be sidelined too long, but nonetheless, Jason Kelsey will be sidelined for the interim after having an elbow clean-out procedure. So that's the bad news on the offensive line. Some good news, as in a limited capacity, Andre Dillard and Jordan Mailata been coming back from the concussion, going through the protocol. They were limited in today's practice, so they're on track to make it back to the field very soon. Uh, a couple of players added. It's getting to be a lengthy list, so I'm just yep. going to focus on the new guys on the did-not-practice uh, on Tuesday list. Running back Kenneth Gainwell has a hip injury, so a little bit of uh, injury situation there between he and Boston Scott, who's yep. also out with a concussion. Uh, we talked about Jason Kelsey, and then Carrick Wheatfall sidelined with a hamstring injury, so... That's your injury news as we ramp up for the first preseason game on Friday. Uh, ben, just uh, kind of going through your notes from practice, which, by the way, you can go check out our practice notes. Myself, C-Mac, Ben, uh, they should be live on PhiladelphiaEagles.com by the time you are listening to this podcast. So make sure you go check them out. Ben, as I was going through your notes from practice, uh, I know the, the play that it felt you were most juiced by was a throw from Jalen Hurts to A.J. Brown, a second window throw. So we talk, we talked about that term a little bit in the past here on the podcast for our listeners that don't know what a second window throw is. Explain it. Explain what you saw there uh, on the practice field. Yeah, this was in a late 7-on-7 seven seven session where it seemed like a lot of zone coverage from Jonathan Gannon's defense. Uh, in the zone coverage, obviously you have 
a lot of eyes on the quarterback. And that second window throw, you can hit the slant in that first initial window, maybe outside that will linebacker. Then there's a second window between the mic and the will. Then there's a third window outside the mic. So you're kind of envisioning that receiver running the crossing route through static, stale defenders. And you can really pick and choose your window based on the way the linebackers expand and the way they drop. So it was great to see him kind of hold it for a second and anticipate that second window. A.J. Brown coming with the full head of steam. Across the middle, you have to throw it with anticipation and timing. So it was great to see him get an accurate ball, but right between Kaiser and T.J. Edwards, I believe. And you're going to see a lot of that in the NFL this year. You're going to get a lot of eyes on Jalen Hurts, making sure to contain the quarterback run option. Going to have a lot of those kind of window dressing throws right behind them, Devontae Smith and Pascal and A.J. Brown, as we saw today. It's interesting you bring up A.J. Brown because I feel like he's gotten quite a workload throughout these practices. He has. So it remains to be seen what we'll see in the preseason, if we see him at all. He said that's a coach's decision. You know, he, he met with the media after practice and kind of got into, he was like, I knew that question was coming. It's like, whatever the coaches ask, I'll do. But he talked about that run after the catch ability. And he said, I know guys don't want to tackle me. I'm a solid 220, 230 pounds. Okay, if I'm coming at you, I'm coming to deliver some damage. So his big thing is once he gets the ball in his hands, he wants to keep those feet moving. He wants to keep the momentum going. And if he sees any hesitation whatsoever by the defensive back or a linebacker coming to tackle him, he's like, I know I've won. Hmm. I know I've won right there. So he talked about that. And then he brought up the touchdown play from Sunday night in the uh, public practice at Lincoln Financial Field. And he said – I typically don't dive during practice. That's a Mm. game thing. So credit to the fans that they made it feel like a game day atmosphere (laughs) and that when that ball was in the air, I was diving to the ground to come up with a touchdown, and he just felt it was so electric and it just – Loves what he's feeling from the Philly fans right now, but he said that atmosphere was just truly unreal for something that's a practice atmosphere. He said, you will not see me dive in practices uh, on a normal basis. And I know another player that spoke after practice was uh, Jalen Hurts, and he talked about the atmosphere from the other night as well. But um, also, I know a big topic was him uh, going back and forth with the defensive line, disputing the sacks uh, in practice versus scrambles, and who actually gets credit for the positive play. I know that was a big topic as well. That was, because it actually first came up with John Jonathan Gannon right. before practice, and Jonathan Gannon submitted some plays from the Sunday practice saying that these were some of our highlight plays, and it was like plays that were runs, you know, in the eyes of the fans in attendance and the way they may have scored it, but when they went back to watch the tape, JG's like, no, 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 that should have been scored for us. That should have been a sack for the defense. Jalen Hurts said, look, I understand we're going to win some downs, we're going to lose some downs, okay? If, if I feel like I've been sacked, I will stop. I will give myself up. If I'm still running, I feel like I could still make a play. So that's kind of where he differentiates there. But uh, you brought up the atmosphere with him at the link. He appreciated all the birthday love. And it's kind of interesting because there's so much pressure on the quarterback. You're under the spotlight in most NFL cities, but even more so here in Philadelphia. But to see the love that you get on the other end, to have 30,000 fans singing you happy birthday, you know, to and making it a very special occasion just shows, you know, how great it is to play in this city. And he said, as much pressure as there may be on me, I put more on myself because I hold myself to that high standard. I want to be an elite quarterback. I want to make the most of my opportunity here in Philadelphia. And A.J. Brown actually said, 
yeah, with his work ethic and determination, that's something I've known about him for years, and it's no surprise that that's carried over since I've come here to Philadelphia. It's always fun, the guys that are here, uh, you know, for their first season, whether it's a rookie or a vet, uh, the guys that, like, bring a lot of energy, because obviously Eagles fans bring a lot of energy, and so those guys kind of, they feed each other on both sides of it, uh, and you're getting a little bit of that, I think, with A.J. Brown, uh, Jordan Davis, like, a lot of those guys that bring a lot of juice, uh, they're going to get it, just like how BG, that relationship, Jason Kelsey, the relationship he has uh, with the Eagles fans, and so, um, you know, I, I think that's always an interesting topic to kind of follow. Another guy, uh, Hassan, Hassan Reddick, talked about how excited he was for the season, not just to be playing at home, uh, but also just the way that he could be used in the scheme as well. Yeah, he said the coaches are conversing with him every day on the best ways to utilize him. Yep. And he appreciates that because he said at his previous stops in Arizona and Carolina, there wasn't that back and forth communication. He didn't have that input on the best ways to use it. If the Eagles are going to go out and make this investment, you know, your big ticket free agent acquisition that you want to make one of the foundational pieces of your defense, a guy who you hope is going to get to the quarterback and improve that ranking of 29th in the league in sacks from last season, you certainly would want his input to find out how the he feels best in the defense and the best ways to utilize them. So it's great that there's that back and forth. And, you know, between coming home, being Camden native, playing his college football at Temple, at Lincoln Financial Field. There's plenty of storylines baked in. It's, it's, so, it's so great to have him. It's truly a homecoming for him. But the fact that he's being embraced by the coaches and, and asked for his input just is putting it over the top. And, Ben, I know that's one of the things you're most excited about going into the season is the, the potential and the excitement for more blitz more pressure, more creativity up front, more man coverage on the back end. We saw more of that in the second half of the season. Uh, and when you mm. add in the versatility uh, of a guy like Hassan Reddick, that, that that potential can be further uh, exploited. Yeah, I think the personnel is speaking to that with guys like Hassan Reddick, James Bradbury, uh, you know, Kaiser White, some people that are, you know, specializing in man coverage and Bradbury and Kaiser and Hassan, great blitzers, great pursuit speed. And then we're seeing it more on the field with the scheme and um, different aggressive calls so i'm excited to see the you know ingredients and the meal all coming together and hopefully we get some nice dishes out in the dining room here pretty soon i failed you ben because before practice gannon spoke to with the media and was asked about his blitz blitz percentage from last season and it reminded me of when coach sirianni was asked about the pre-snap motion from last season and quickly ben you're able to find the numbers on where they were in pre-snap motion i wish i went to you on the blitz percentages but gannon knows they're pretty far down yeah, i think they were 30th somewhere yeah, right see, around you that already, you already got it yeah, of course it was 32nd like up until like the bye week or like you know week six week seven somewhere in there uh and there was a, a nice sizable jump that got them up to 29 30 something in that range yeah and gannon said that look we don't want to be that low because we don't want to be predictable. Yep. It's obvious that if we're that low of a, of a frequency blitzing team, then teams are going to say, look, let's prepare as if they're not going to blitz. And then if they do, it's a surprise. It's a one-off. So you, from a game-playing standpoint, you want to try to be as unpredictable as possible. And there's a Gannon quote from early last season or late last summer that has kind of stuck in my head. And he talked about, we play this way because it's the personnel we have. And I feel like new here last year, he had to work with what he had. You want to blitz a lot? You better hold up on the back end. Well, certain corners specialize in zone, like Steven Nelson's of the world. You can't just blitz all the time. You have to have the personnel on the back end to match the coverage front and all that. So it's great to see him get some of the toys and pieces he wants to now run the schemes he wants to deploy. So I think he's got some more ingredients and recipes now in the kitchen that he likes to use. Now I think we're going to see some more man coverage, some more pressure, maybe some more aggressive style schemes, 
which I think should excite Eagles fans. And even when they're when they don't blitz, you know, we've talked about the the versatility of that front. And I felt like you know watching the O line D line one on ones here today, uh, that was kind of crystallized for me even in that period. Because uh, look, I mean, Lane Johnson, more Lane Johnson of him uh, winning that first rep this time against Derek Barnett. It was interesting. They did make a little bit of a switch today where Barnett saw a lot of his reps at left defensive end going against mm-hmm. the right tackle. Hassan Reddick went to the other side and got a lot of his rushes uh, off the left tackle. So I thought that was a little interesting uh, change up here. Uh, not the only change up, by the way. The defense and offense switching jersey colors uh, yep. threw me off multiple <laughs> times today. Uh, you know, as guys were getting up uh, from a pile. But um, you see Jordan uh, Jordan Davis and Fletcher Cox. They both win with explosive bull rushes uh, on consecutive reps. Javon Hargrave with his quickness off the ball. Uh, Josh Sweat comes off and wins with a really slick ghost move against the left tackle. Hassan Reddick wins on an inside move, showing off his quickness. And you just see these guys go consecutively. Milton Williams lining up uh, different spots. Brandon Graham getting another win, right? So all of a sudden, you're like, yeah, like all of these guys have multiple ways they can win. They can win from multiple techniques along the front. So even if you don't blitz, you see all these different unique defensive packages, how these guys can be used and deployed. It's going to be really, really fun to study. Multiple O-line combinations? Bad. That means things didn't go <laughs> right. great, injuries. I think we set the record a few years ago in that yep. season with all different combinations. Multiple D-line packages, good. Yeah. And I'm thinking if all goes well, we might not have a double-digit sack guy. We might have seven or eight guys, though, with six, seven, eight Right, sacks. with five plus, yeah, right. Very deep personnel, very diverse in how they're deployed. All different fronts and usages and four-man fronts, five-man fronts, detached fronts, blitzing fronts, stunts. All sorts of games, a lot of different kind of tools for Gannon to deploy here. So I'm really excited just to see how deep this pass rushing arsenal can get. And I will say, too, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk about today was like just our instead of a play of the day, like a player of the day uh, for me, guys, just sticking along this theme. Brandon Graham, and this is not even just like just for today. Well, today he had a sack in a team period. He had a win in one-on-ones. He had multiple stops in the run game. He had a sniffed-out screen again. We've seen that time and time again here this summer. Um, but over the course of camp, it's been so great to see number 55 as active as he's been. He's lined up inside. He's lined up outside. He's one with speed. He's one with power. He's sniffing out screens, like I said, stopping the run. He had a TFL today. Uh, he has. He brings that same energy to the field on a daily basis. Uh, it's just great to see number 55 back and he feels like and we'll see once the regular season comes but he feels like normal Brandon Graham which uh, is good to see for sure C-Mac. It was funny because during Jalen Hurts' press conference and I think it's actually when Bo Wolf from the Athletic Birds with Friends asked Jalen Hurts about the juke move that he pulled on BG <laughs> but literally they have every day of practice they have a community relations 10 and there's a group there and the players go and sign autographs sure. and photos and BG was over there for a while and you just heard that laugh you just <laughs> like you know, it's like you almost couldn't hear Jalen Hurts speaking because you hear BG's laugh as he's engaging with his family. And it was just funny that, like, you know, Jalen's like, I don't know how he reacted to it. Like, I just did the move and I was trying to get, <laughs> you know, north-south on the guy. And he was in my way. But um, that, that energy is so infectious. And when you talk to guys, it's not just the mentorship, you know, or the leadership. It's the energy they bring day in, day out. I remember Josh Sweat earlier in training camp saying on these – humid, hot days that if BG is out there going 110%, I've got to go 110%. Yep. Milton Williams spoke after practice and talked about working out with BG this offseason and knowing that if I'm following BG's footsteps, I'm going to be A-OK. Milton a- drew praise, by the way, a couple times, a couple reps here today. So yeah. he, he's starting to build I'm excited for well. BG. To see, he doesn't have to be the guy. Yeah. You know, right. it's a very deep group, as we had said. He's probably going to be a 25% player. I'm excited for that managed role and really ramp it up when you're out there. My opinion – 
he is right up there with the Ron Jaworskis, Mike Quicks, Brian Dawkins, Ike Reese's that he is going to be an eagle for life. I think he's going to be hanging around these walls and buildings for years and years to come after. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite eagles. We don't even have to talk about him between the lines. Little things like the community tent, seeing him in the hallway, the cafeteria, the bathroom around here. He is just so loved. Uh, in every angle of this kind of uh, organization. I'm so excited for him to uh, just have another season. So getting back to that theme in terms of like the the front marrying the coverage, Ben, I know one player that has really caught your eye, just kind of keeping that conversation going of player of the day, uh, James Bradbury. You were yeah. watching him and A.J. Brown in one-on-ones, and those guys have just been so competitive <laughs> on a daily basis. I, I first felt like the first week or so is a lot of slay in Brown, and right. then slowly faded and transitioned to A.J. Brown and James Bradbury. Today, two really professional one-on-one reps. This isn't a twitched-up 4-3 versus 4-3 battle. Yep. These are big physical players. This is a technical battle. And James Bradbury makes you work in every phase of the route, the release, the route stem, the break point, the catch point, and then just finishing. A.J. Brown had a slant completion. He had to work in every phase to get that completion. A couple uh, plays later, it was an awkward little back shoulder kind of fade. A.J. Brown plucked that ball. Bradbury just kept working in the down late and poked it out late. And I think just that competitiveness, you just saw A.J. Brown has to do everything perfect to win a rep against a professional corner, yep. a high-quality corner like James Bradbury. I was talking with E.J. Smith from the Inquirer, and we just looked at each other and said, what a professional competitive rep right there. This isn't just two guys relying on elite God-given abilities like 4-3 speed or being a 6-5 receiver. Everything needs to be clean and polished. And that's the definition of iron sharpening iron, in my opinion. Yeah, what I love, too, is like literally the way you described Bradbury impacting every single phase of the route. We just said this literally Sunday night after A.J. Brown had that big performance at at the link. uh, That's what A.J. Brown brings is, Yeah. yeah, he's physical and he plays through contact. At the jam, at the line of scrimmage on the release, mid-route, catch point, after the catch. Like, that's the way that Bradbury plays, too. And so having that kind of physical presence opposite big play Slay, who also can get up uh, and, and jam you and, and really kind of impact throughout the course of the route, uh, it could be really big for this Eagles defense, C-Mac. Um, and I know another guy you want to talk about uh, was Jalen Rager, who's been really consistent throughout camp. And that's I think that's got to be the calling card for him. Yeah. Because... He's probably not going to get a lot of targets, at least not as many as he had in his first few years. And the coaches have said that much. They said, look, you're not going to be the 10-catch-a-guy game you were in college or maybe that we hope that you'd be early in your NFL career, okay? You may get three, four balls coming your way with all the other weapons in the offense. Well, on a day like today where Devontae Smith is still sidelined, you get a few more opportunities. We talked about the one-on-ones. Ran a great fade against Zach McPherson. Yep. Uh, Gardner Minshew put the ball right on the money. Great catch. Phenomenal job by him. He had another rep in one-on-ones where he caught the ball. It was a short pass, but he did a great job of extending his arms to bring in the ball. So great concentration by him there. And then in team drills, the defense not giving up a lot of big plays. He had a nice crossing route to get some separation and come up with a big gain for the offense. So I thought overall, you know, you could have said Jason Huntley because of all the work he was getting today for player of the day. But I thought in terms of standout plays and consistency, I thought Jalen Rager had a nice day. And that's the thing is I think if you reflect on the first two summers of Jalen Rager's uh, career so far, it feels like there were those crazy highlight plays, the the jump balls, the one-handed grabs in the back of the end zone. But they would be mixed in with incompletions 
thrown his way where it was like, uh, like that, that was a tough drop, or uh, did he run the right route? Was that a bad ball by the quarterback? Like, and so there were inconsistencies, and it was very a lot of high variance. Now he's just been like kind of a steady Eddie, uh, and I think that's been really impressive for him uh, coming here in year three to the point you made earlier, Ben. Uh, these guys in their third year, Kyle Shanahan, I know, said this about Brandon Ayuk very early in camp. It was like day one, day two of 49ers camp. It was like, yeah, like, you know, that, that first COVID year, right? That, that was a weird offseason. Guys didn't show up to the building until right before camp. Mm-hmm. Wasn't really a normal offseason last year. He still had all those COVID protocols. So this was the first real offseason. And when you factor that in with before, I mean, in years past, and still is the case for some guys wide receivers almost always took three years and we've seen more of a wave of the guys coming in and making that instant impact but it still happens in the league now where receivers come in their third year uh and that's really where where you see that big jump we'll see it remains to be seen if that will be the case here with Jalen Rager but uh don't count him out yet I I, he's been a really really consistent that's been certainly one of my big takeaways uh so far this summer uh guys I think that was it I'm looking through the rest of my sheet I don't think I have any other notes uh for us to hit on we've got one more practice this week uh on Wednesday uh the Eagles will have a a walkthrough mock game I believe on Thursday Uh, so we'll have a practice uh and a podcast recap for Wednesday then not again until uh, until Sunday. Uh, so we'll be back uh, later this week here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Stay subscribed to the feed. Check out the Journey to the Draft podcast. Just dropped on Tuesday morning. Myself, Ben Fennel, Dane Brugler breaking down the Big Ten and the top prospects uh, in that region of the country. So if you're a Penn State, Ohio State fan, make sure you go check that out wherever podcasts can be found. We'll talk to you later this week on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast.